Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your, I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Uh, today, I have a very, very special guest with me. Um, not only is she an unbelievably high producer in our, our mortgage space, uh, but she's also a friend of mine. We had the great opportunity a couple of years ago to be able to travel on a top producers um, roundtable uh, tour across the United States, and I got to get I got a chance to get to know her really well. So um, let me go ahead and introduce you to her, and we'll go from there. So we have today with us Diane Crosby. She is uh, with Guaranteed Rate. She has been honored to be ranked number 73 in the Scotsman's Guide Top 200 Loan Officers in 2016. So we're talking to a very large powerhouse here on today's call. So um, I'm going to do my best. You guys should all pray for me as I'm starting this out to make sure that I ask all the questions that you want to have asked because this took about a year maybe. Right, Diane, to get this put together? Only because of, of my disorganization, not, not any other reason. It took a long time, though. Um, so I'm just have, uh, thankful that we're doing it. So in 2016, uh, Diane closed 255 loans uh, for volume a little over $155 million. Yes, I said that, $155 million. She has been in the mortgage industry since 2001. And she comes with a really interesting pedigree in her education, so I'd like for her to share that with us. And then we're going to go into a lot of different things that um, you do that we want to figure out how we can emulate so that we can be like Diane. So, Diane, without any further ado, thank you and welcome to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I mean, Jen, I have so much respect for you, and I love that you do this, and it's just a pleasure to be a part of your community and to have you as my friend. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Okay, so tell us how this evolved. I know your degree is um, in economics, first of all, and you have uh, um, a pre-law degree as well, correct? I have a, yeah, I went to, yeah, I have a law degree, um, and I graduated, you know, more than a few years ago from <laughs> all that. <laughs> Had a few other careers before the mortgage industry happened. Um, and quite honestly, they were, you know, for the most part in, in the sales arena. Um, and, but I got into mortgage lending as part of my divorce and needing to find a career. Uh, and my sister was a mortgage broker. This was back in 2001. Uh, and I, I, she said, Diane, why don't you try this out? See what you think. Well, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she works in the heart of Silicon Valley. So... I went to work for my little sister who spent the next year getting even 
with me for everything I had ever done to her in childhood. <laughs> she was um, my mentor, my coach. Uh, she, you know, was very uh, great at, at teaching me this industry. And it occurred during the dot-com boom and bust. Um, with rates going down and the refi thing happening. And I just found it to be a really exciting time, and, and, I, and I loved it. My, you know, my degree from Cal was in economics, so suddenly I found myself launched back into this whole world of watching economics unfold in the real estate world, and, and I loved it instantly. Yeah, and I imagine so, you would because you just got you got popped right into something that you said, "Hey, this is this is my world." And and so for someone like you, you know, you're eating that up. Yeah, it was really fun. And you know, the law degree, I'll tell you, it it, it it's you know, I won't say it's it's an, a logical aspect. I think it's more just what I did. But um analytical thinking plays a key role in the work that we do. And so in that sense, I'm, I'm lucky because I had a little bit of training in that regard just because that's what you do for three years in law school. But, yeah. um, you know, you learn to be an analytical thinker. But what I love so about it and that, what I've... I was going to ask you, so how has that helped you in this, what analytical, what piece of it specifically? Because I obviously know, you know, that you're, we're thinking analytically, but what, what is the process that you use that perhaps none of us is using because we don't have a law degree, what would be the, the thing that changes that or makes it different? I don't think I don't think anything is directly related to it. But I think what I'm when I'm t- speaking about analytical thinking, in law school, we learn to be problem solvers and mm-hmm. to look at what are the rules, the rule of law we call it. What are the rules, and how do we advocate using those rules and manipulating those rules for the benefit of a client in a legal mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I think in the mortgage industry, we do exactly that for our clients. There are guidelines, and we know that, you know, Fannie and Freddie have basic guidelines. We know that various investors have other guidelines. Our job is to um, represent the needs of our home buying client or our home owning refinancing client, work with those rules, and find ways to strategically place our clients in loan products, programs plans that meet their needs now and in the future. And when I present myself to a client in that way, it resonates for them. It's more than someone calling and saying, what's your rate? And me, you know, saying, well, today my rate is this and hanging up the phone. It's, it's a conversation and it's um, benefited me greatly over the years. That's great. So let's stick with that for just a second. Let's talk about the conversation when someone calls you and asks, what's, what's your rate? And because this is something that, you know, you see in every chronicle that we have is still addressing, you know, how we get out of the commodity world. Um, and one of the things that I'm learning that I can share, you know, and, and before asking this full question is, uh, you know, I'm learning that a commodity feels or thinks that they can serve everybody and that they, everybody needs them. And a premium uh, product is going to be, um, is more directed to what you do and searching and finding those individuals who are attracted to specifically what you do, whether that's a niche or whether that's a process that you have. So could you speak a little bit to how, how that conversion is for you and what are some of the tactics that you use to convert people who are rate shopping? Absolutely. Uh, the most common question people ask when they call any of us, I'm sure, you know, is, hi, I'm calling, and just like I said, what is your rate? Mm-hmm. Or so-and-so 
thought you would be a good person to work with. What's your rate? Because I'm sort of looking around right now. Yeah. What I've found is that those clients don't necessarily even know Why? what they're asking. <laughs> and, and so I answer the question by saying, um, let me, I'm going to clock into my interest rates and we'll run some scenarios together so that I can give you a really honest, straightforward answer. And in order for that answer to have meaning for you, I'd like to ask several questions about you. Is that okay with you? Mm -hmm. And it opens the conversation. And it also takes people a little into their own world. And it helps me hear their, first of all, where they are in the process. Secondly, mm -hmm. what their fears might be. And thirdly, I'm asking permission. So I'm, I'm, rep, I'm recognizing that that caller is someone who I need to ask permission to walk into their world, to get on their side of that, that, that telephone call. Um, and, and when they give permission, then we open the conversation. Um, yeah. And soon into that, I'll tell them when we start talking about rate, I'll say, you know, an interesting, I've found an interesting thing over the years. I spend most of my day in a range of 0.125%. And so my goal in our relationship is going to be to get you that 0.125% that we're going to be talking about because you're going to hear about 4% and you're going to hear about 4.25% and you might even hear about 3.75% on 30-year fixed rate loans. But what makes up the difference? is so many little small strategic moves that we might make together, things that we might do in building your file. And I promise you, I'm always going to try to get you just a little bit better. Yeah. And if you work with me, that's what we're going to do. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, so, okay, if you're listening, there's a couple things here. And, you know, and uh, maybe, maybe those of us that have been in the business for a long time, we, we've now learned not to just spew at clients, you know, and ask for permission. I think that's unbelievably helpful and thank you for for sharing that with us again um, it's a tactic I use as well it's a disarming a tactic because if, yes, if you put yourself exactly. in their situation they're making these phone calls to people they don't do not know and they're about ready to tell us things that they wouldn't even share with their family members right right and we have to understand that context and how how threatening that may feel to them and if we're just barking out rates to them to try to you know be a commodity we're never going to develop a relationship of trust you know trust respect and safety you know them feeling that they're safe in our relationship so thank you so much for sharing um, that I think that's really really important I also love the way that you you know sort of change the you know uh, change the verbiage around in the range of the 0.125. And I also want to say thank you for not saying an eighth. A lot of us use our mm -hmm. lingo, and it's a big alphabet soup. And uh, it's very important, you know, for us to not be doing that. So uh, not, not using, you know, eighths and quarters and things. People don't really understand that. So what is your, when, uh, what's your conversion ratio, by the way? Do you happen to know your conversion ratio? I have no idea. Okay. Um. <laughs> You know, in fact, it's funny because I, love I, I, I do. I know. I'm, I have a I have a business coach that I've worked with for three years now. It's my third year working with him, and I I love him. And we were just on a call together, and and he said, you know, we really did we talk about conversion rate lately? And I said, oh, Mark, I never. I know. That. I know. <laughs> I need to do that. 
But I, I'll give you an answer the next time we have a call, I promise, because it's on my list of frailties and, and flaws. Something you brought up, though, I wanted yeah. to just touch on it for a minute, is, yeah. you know, you said thank you for not using the lingo of one eight. There's another thing that I do in a call, and I, I, I learned this from another loan agent, and I just want to share it because it's been really helpful to me. Early on in the conversation, I convert rates to payments. Mm-hmm. And I, if somebody's saying, I want to, you know, get a, you know, let, let's say they say I'm looking for a, you know, a $600,000 house and I'm going to get a $400,000 loan, I start right off, I'll start saying, okay, you know, your payment will be, you know, at 3.75, it's this, at 3.875, it's this, at, 3, at 4%, it's this. And I say, so just to, you know, give us perspective for our conversation, the difference in payment is, you know, $30 a month. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh. Is that all? Oh. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. And it takes it away from the cocktail conversation. Right. Well, you know, my lender got me 3.5%. And you don't yeah. even know, well, that was a 15-year fixed rate loan. So, you know, and it's, 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 you know we got to talk payments with clients. It's where they feel it. It's where their budget is. You know, these home, our home buyers are, are making little spreadsheets and trying to figure out how they can afford a home here in California. It's going to take everything they've got. And so they want to know what's it going to cost me every month. So I try to go from interest rate to payment early in the conversation. That's an excellent point. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's extremely important. Extremely important. Thank you. Okay. So let's, let's kind of go backwards just a little bit. We got a little, we got a little diverted because we had, we had a little fun with, uh, the rule of law and how to have a conversation with someone. But let's talk about the tipping point or, you know, and we did talk about this before we went, um, you know, we went live is what, what's the tipping point that you think when you look back on your career and you're saying, you know, that's it, that's the thing that made the difference and, you know, started uh, exponentially growing my practice. Is it, is it one thing? Is it a combination of things? Is it a style? I, I, I um, appreciate the question because I think it's a good one to think about. Um, maybe because of the way I think, I've always been one to compartmentalize. And early in my career, I recognized that I wouldn't be able to get to everybody. I would have to pick my market. And just to give you a couple of examples, and then mm-hmm. it, it expanded from there. I came into this industry newly divorced and a single parent, and I recognized that single moms and divorced women felt they resonated for me. So I marketed to realtors who I knew worked with a lot of women, and then the referrals started coming in in that way. If I went to a, a, a realtor who was already using other lenders, which all good realtors are, I would say, you know, I have worked with several newly divorced women, and I have an approach that they really appreciate. I'm consultative. I'm this, I'm that. I found ways to, to make myself before that kind of client. So I would get an in just for that. I wouldn't say, I'm great, and I can do everything for you. I would say, I've developed a niche. And then with that, I created what's called Women's Night In, uh, where I invited clients and realtors who were single women, and I'm saying divorced, widowed, uh, you know, whatever, uh, to my home. And we had a guest speaker. And it became this, uh, you know, partly wine and cheese, you know, it was better appetizers than that, trust me. But 
you know, is a (laughs) food and a really, you know, knowledgeable individual. And it was a two hour program and it, it took on a life of its own. And um, so I, I developed niches and I think by developing a niche, I was able to reach people who would otherwise not have necessarily noticed me um, because they, they felt comfortable saying, Oh, well, you know, I've used this lender for most of my people, but this is a divorced woman. I'm going to go to Diane for her. And then um, through that, I was able to catch uh, the interest of a couple of divorce attorneys. And, mm-hmm. you know, and my, you know, it was all about referrals, right? So a, a divorced woman, I said, well, who was your attorney? And then I would talk to the attorney, and then they would send me another referral. So tipping points, I think, occur multiple times in our career. And for me, um, coming into it when I did, I used my own background to relate and to develop my initial niches of clients. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful. And I know you're going to talk about your community involvement as well, and that, that has to do yeah. with your, um, your life as well. Um, so you bring, up, you bring up a really good point, and, and um, I want to ask you this question, too, about niches. Uh, there is a thought that if you niche yourself, you may miss out on other opportunities, but then, you know, obviously if you're acting like a commodity, then, you, you know, you're the jack of all trades and master of none. And so there's two thoughts on this. Um, so that's the first part about it is I just want to get your opinion on, on that. I mean, obviously you like niching, but I, I, I just want to get a little more uh, clarity on that. And then the other part of it is if, if you were a person listening in on this podcast at this time and you're not divorced, okay, and you're not widowed, um, where would you seek to, find, to start uh, thinking about how you'd want to determine your niche? Is it going to be just because that's what everybody says you should do? Or should, do you recommend that it is something that is uh, perhaps close to your heart? Or, you know, we said this, we say this all the time, is if you want to work with financial planners, go where financial planners are. So is Right. It, I mean, I think you know, that's exactly it. Yeah. I think we create the niche as a tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, let's suppose, um, you know, you, do a, you would do a loan with a realtor who's a real numbers person. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would go to that realtor after it's over and I would say to the realtor, one of the things I loved working with you, I loved in working with you is that you are very logical. You, you had these spreadsheets. You really took control of the transaction in this way. Are there other realtors who are like that? Because I work well with that kind of a realtor. Mm-hmm. I'm also a numbers person. I have my, you know, background, uh, whatever. And, and I'm looking for more agents like you. Do you have colleagues that you could introduce me to who are like that? I'm not saying to this person, I worked with you at Pacific Union. I want to meet all the Pacific Union realtors. Can you introduce me? Mm-hmm. I'm doing a real, you know, you know, they talk about a rifle shot approach. That's what I'm talking about. So it might be a niche of I'm used to working with single women, or it might be a niche of I like, you know, statistical realtors, or it might be a niche of, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about another, uh, another thing I'm doing. But it's, I, for me, the message is compartmentalize your work. And when looking at your business plan, what are the strengths that, that you as a mortgage broker bring to the industry? What are you, what's your gift to the industry? And then look for like-minded people who have that gift or who want that gift. And it's more specific than I can get you the best rate. It's a gift of some area of expertise, some area of background, some area of passion. And then take that passion and use it as a launch pad. Um, and, and to those who say, well, you know, 
jack of all trades, master of none. I say launch pad. Mm-hmm. This is how I start. This is some element of who I am. And it gives me another gate of entry for, um, for meeting people in my field. Excellent. Yeah. I think that's really important. And, you know, and, I, and I'm glad you answered that way. I was hoping you were going to answer that way, um, and I figured you would. That's why I asked the question. Uh, I'm like an attorney. <laughs> Don't ever ask you a question. It's not like we've never spoken to each other before. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I think that's really important because I think that a lot of people hear, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you have to go here, you have to try this, you have to do broken opens, you have to go networking, you have to have client parties, you have to have all these things. And, and it makes us become chameleons. And, and to a certain extent, you know, in, in sales you do become a chameleon, but there has to be a, a point where you draw a line in the sand and say, you know, I can't be everything to everybody. And it won't fit. And people, people see that your authenticity isn't there when you're trying to be, let's say, for example, you're really, really good working with um, blue-collar mechanics you know, and blue-collar guys, and that, that is a great niche that you have, and you decide that someone told you you have to go to the yacht club to get bigger loans. And exactly. this is a disconnect. That is such a great, a great, it's such a great visual. Yeah. You know, I love that. Like, so I, just to give you another example, so, yeah, so guaranteed rate, um, which, I, you know, I joined in a year. You were part of my whole big debate over this. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they're big on events. You know, host events, have events. And I sat back and I thought about this and I said, you know, they have these events and they don't mean anything to me. Like invite all your friends to a baseball game, but I don't even watch baseball. Right. And so, you know, and I apologize to the baseball fans out there and, you know, all that. But so, but I like to cook. And, you know, for me, cooking is meditation. So what I did was I, and this was really, I mean, this was like crazy that it even happened, but there's a restaurant here in Berkeley. It's famous called Chez Panisse. Chez Panisse is a restaurant. Um, Alice Waters founded the farm to table movement and that was her restaurant. And I was talking to someone and, and he said, you know, the head chef at Chez Panisse just published a cookbook. Um, you should have him come to your women's night in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he'd never do that. Who would even think to ask that? And I thought, well, wait a minute. What if I did a book signing? I mean, maybe he would do it. Well, guess what? I wrote to him. I offered to buy books for the people who came, and he came, and they met the head chef of Chez Panisse, and he signed books, and he did a presentation that was beautiful, and it was one of the most amazing nights for me personally and for my friends who came, and two realtors came, and they were like, Diane, by pure coincidence, we're taking clients who closed on a house to Chez Panisse. Oh, and the head chef came out, and he gave them a tour of the kitchen. These realtors are my realtors for life now. Oh, yeah, because like, you made them look good to their clients. Yeah. And it was in my authentic world. I, I couldn't uh-huh. have done that with the, you know, a Giants player, uh, you know. But, but, and it was like, it was amazing, and it was so, just so wonderful and so real because um, it meant something to me because it was in my field of interest, aside from mortgage in cooking. And then I, I, there's a cooking school in Berkeley called Kitchen on Fire. I invited 12 realtors to a cooking class. Mm-hmm. And we had a blast. It was so much fun. And we didn't talk any business. In fact, I said in my introduction, I introduced each realtor to the group. They didn't know each other. 
Um, and it was so much fun. And they were like, I said, the one rule of tonight, we are not talking real estate. If anyone talks real estate, we're going to have to make them stop for a minute. And they laughed. And it was a great event because it was something that I feel that I love and that I could relate to them with. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think that's, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. And I, I think, um, well, okay, so let's, let's just keep going with that. I, I think the authenticity of who we are is really, really important. And, of course, that, that's exuding as we're speaking here now. I'm, I'm feeling all of that from you. How do you take all of that authenticity and move it into the conversion of actual deals? You know, if you're, if you're um, you know, having these kind of events and you're not talking mortgages, is it just, hey, I had the event, they like me now, so they should be sending me business. What, what type of follow-up do you do and what type of um, communication do you have with these real estate agents to draw them in closer uh, or to have them uh, not be drawn in, not like we're pulling and tugging on them, but to have them want to be drawn in closer to you? It takes time, mm-hmm. and it's not an instant thing. And it's, it, authenticity means real, which means it's not a one-shot thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I think relationship building, it's not a one-night stand. Those can be fun and exciting, but it's not that. It takes multiple events activities, conversations, um, and it, it has to be heartfelt. I do my very best to spend time with the realtors I actually like, mm-hmm. not necessarily the ones that are doing the top of the business, but the ones that are more in the middle tier because they're interested in socializing and in building a sense of community. And I recognize, and this has taken me a really long time to do because I'm a, you know, and you and I have spent time together. I mean, I, I'm kind of a, like, I'm, I, I, I move fast, just like you, Jen, you know, we're kind of like boom, 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 you know, and uh-huh. we, we're really action-oriented. But we, we have so much to give and to share just by being ourselves and genuinely reaching out to people once in a while and, hey, how are you doing? And, hey, did you hear about the, you know, the latest restaurant that just opened? Um, you know, hey, let's go give that a shot. You know, if it's the cooking thing, just use that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it comes from the heart, then the referrals come. Those, those two realtors who went with the head chef and all that, they sent me a, a, a referral this week of a man who's going to buy a $1.8 million house and is very well qualified, and he wants to live in Berkeley. And during the conversation, what came up was, I said, yeah, my office is on the corner of Shattuck and Rose in Berkeley. It's, and he goes, oh, my gosh, that's Gourmet Ghetto. And it was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> right. Yes, and guess what's two blocks away? And, it's, you know, and like it, it just all comes full circle. And, and not to beat a dead horse, you know, it, but yeah. I'm just saying that if it's authentic, it will resonate and it will, it will last and the relationship will build. But it's not a one-shot deal. And, I think in, in, in my world, I, where I've failed is where I've tried to create something that wasn't real to me. And, yeah. um, you know, like you can go do a broker's open with someone. You know, you bring the pastries, they let you sit, stand there for two hours. But if it's not a relationship with that realtor, and if it doesn't follow up, if you don't follow it up with a thank you note and, uh, hey, what else can I do for you? And, you know, um, those kinds of things, then it's a waste of time. Right. Yeah, well, I'm with you, sister. I talk about this all the time. I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of broker opens. I'm just not. <laughs> so 
I think I've made that pretty clear. I'm just not a fan of doing those. Um, okay, so that yeah, that sounds good. So let's let's talk about. Um, well, if, you know, back to that broker open, Jen, you, you and okay. I are completely in accord there. Um, but having said that, if I do one, I make it very clear to the realtor, I'm doing it for them. Well, yeah. And I'm doing it to support people. them. Yep. And, yeah. And I've, yeah. And, and I've said that, too, is it only my best to get the broker open. The rest of yep. them, no. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move into, you know, here we are, it's uh, June, almost June, well it's not, it's May, it feels like June already, but we're at the end of May yeah. 2017, and um, you know, we're coming up to halftime, and it's a good time to assess things, you know, it's, it's hard to take the time out because the market is, um, you know, so favorable right now, and, and we're all busy in the, in the silly season, but tell us what you're, you know, what's top of mind right now, what are you implementing right now, what are some things that are, you know, on the forefront for you? or things that you've implemented this year that have made a difference in your business? Both sides or either is fine. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, well, and I, I'm going to speak a little bit to our area, so I know that this isn't, you know, in California, this is a national podcast, but um, here in the Bay Area, we have a, a, a crisis in that there are not enough homes for buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's completely a seller's market. It's a really aggressive market. And anybody wanting to buy a home is likely to be competing with eight to 30 other buyers for the mm -hmm. same home. So yep. my focus, my day-to-day -day focus is on doing a very complete upfront loan pre-approval for my clients, mm -hmm. which means that I'm, I'm really taking a careful loan application, looking for potential barriers, looking for potential issues, so that they can, not only so that their offer is airtight and we can do a short closing because the file is very ready, but so that the buyer can write that offer with complete confidence in being able to close on the terms promised. Mm -hmm. And um, my realtors are, you know, not expecting, demanding this, and buyers just, they're, they're they're paying every extra dollar that they have to get into a house. It's, it's really rough. So I think, you know, for me on a day-to-day, -day, it's, it's about making sure those clients who've come to me are well cared for and that they're, they're, the work is done in a really uh, expert way. Yeah, and, you know, I'll tell you, it's not limited just to your area. We're seeing this all over the place. In fact, we're, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm um, a member of Mortgage Coach, you know, with Dave Savage, Mortgage Coach Edge, yeah. and I, uh, you know, and I'm on the, I'm one of the mentors on, on the Friday um, afternoon calls and everything. And this has been a, a topic that we've been discussing for the last few weeks is, you know, how do we differentiate our offer and help our clients to the offer? And the first part of it is having an advanced approval program, you know, mm -hmm. uh, otherwise known as credit only, um, having that advanced approval program so that they are, fully, completely approved, subject only to finding their home of their dreams and having the appraisal be completed along with the title work. Um, I think it's so, essential. Yeah, it's I essential. think so. But, but we went a couple steps beyond. So my question to you is, are, is it just the advanced approval that you're, you're seeking and uh, communicating with, or are you taking other steps to differentiate your offer? Because I, I know that some clients are writing letters again. Um, some are doing videos. Uh, there's some 
conversations about whether or not that that's going to be allowed in the future by real estate agents because there there could be um, discrimination issues. But um, I mean that's not something I'm doing. But what are what other steps are you taking other than providing an ironclad approval, or is is that just what you're doing? And that's okay too. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I think that. Um I don't get involved in the letter writing, the, the realtors do with the clients, but whenever they, you know, come and say, do you think that's a good idea? I, de- I definitely think, I think it's a critical idea. I think it's a really good idea. Um, I follow up every, every offer that gets written. I call the listing agent. I don't wait for them to call me. Right. Um, I try to reach them by phone. I don't email. And if I have to leave a voicemail, I leave my cell phone, let them know I'm available as late as 11 o'clock that night. Um, you know, and, and depending on obviously when the offer's written. Um, and, when the offer doesn't get accepted, I reach out to the client a few days later, let them settle, and I ask, what, can, what do you think we can do to help make you, you know, to help the next one be more successful? What would you like from me? Is there anything else I can do this for you? Um, what are your, you know, what are your feelings about this offer not succeeding? Um, and, I, and I do it for two reasons. One is uh, it, it's genuine. You know, I, I want to ask, and, and I want us to do a Monday morning quarterback a little bit. But the other is I want them to know that I care, not just about getting the offer, but about them. How are they handling this? I just wrote a pre-approval letter for clients who are, it was their, it's their seventh offer. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and with this letter I wrote, and I said, let's have a talk this weekend. And it's the holiday weekend. I said, let's, let's plan a telephone, and if you'd like, let's, let's get together. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, you know, let's see how it goes. That may be a good idea because they're always underbidding and it's just, you know, it's obvious, but I want to be a consultant, not just to get them ready and fully pre-approved, but also when things go wrong and, you know, and if the offer's not accepted, what do we need to do to actually get you into a house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. Um, okay, so you have a very aggressive market, and so the listing side, you know, I wanted to, to add the other part. The benefit to doing that, aside from the fact that, you know, you don't have to jump through hoops after the contract comes in and, and you know, uh, succumb to barriers, you know, and speed bumps along the way, but for the client, it takes, it takes a lot of monkeys off their back when they're under contract, you know, they go under contract and everyone's pulling them for home inspections and documents and e-signing and questions and an explanation letter. And we're, you know, we're pulling and tugging on them uh, while they're trying to pack at the same time, maybe try to emotionally handle things with their, their children. And so this takes a lot of monkeys off their back so that the transaction is much smoother from their perspective. And that, and that increases the client experience. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. I mean, you know, we, we, I, I'll tell you a side story. I, I'm, I'm, but Jen, I haven't told you this. I'm engaged. Oh, well. I'm getting married. <laughs> you have a yes. new niche. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. I'm getting married. After being divorced 15 years, oh, I've uh, been with this wonderful man for more than, for like three and a half years, and oh, we're, we're getting married. Oh, so along with getting married comes the, we're starting to house hunt to buy a house together. And I've been in my house for nearly 29 years. And so all of a sudden, I'm a home buyer. You're feeling it. I think to everyone out there, it is the most humbling experience I've ever had. And I've done everything wrong. I mean, I I did, I made all the mistakes that my home buyers make. 
But what I, what I learned, and we haven't found our house yet, but what I learned from the, because we found this house that we really wanted, and it was this emotional thing, and all of a sudden I had to get loan pre-approval, you know, within like 24 hours, and it was just like this big, amazing, uh, and I think it was karmic. I think someone put it in my place so I would learn from it. Um, <laughs> but what I learned is that, you know, when you and I talk about monkeys on your back, and, you know, it, it was suddenly very real for me. And I think as a loan agent, I'm going to be better now because I recognize what that stress does to a person. And we have the power as, as the holders of the key to financing to make that client feel much better as they go through this process. And mm-hmm. I think we can get, and I'm not saying we do, but we can get assumptive. I don't want to say jaded. Mm-hmm. We can take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But don't underestimate the value of a call. How are you doing? I'm just checking in. Mm-hmm. How is this process feeling for you? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be all touchy-feel with my clients. They don't necessarily want that. But a call after the offer is presented um, or right before, you know, do you want to go through this a little bit and, you know, and, and, and open that door? Mm-hmm. Clients might say, no, I'm good. You know, we're good. You know, we, we get it. Or it might be, as a matter of fact, we just found out, and this is a true story, clients, I, I, uh, they wrote an offer, it wasn't accepted, and they call, I called and talked to them, and they said, yeah, guess what? We just found out that she's pregnant, my wife's pregnant, and we, what do we need to do here? We need, we need to get out of our apartment. We need to buy a house. Right. And, and we, you know, so the human touch is so important, and, and we're more than just that number cruncher. We have that capacity and we, we, we should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. It's funny you said that too because uh, as you know I have a very elaborate communication system. Um, you know, Which I process. envy. <laughs> Which I totally envy. Well I told you I'd give it to you. Um, but I know anyway, I'm, I'm totally taking you up on that. <laughs> but uh, it's very elaborate but you know it got to it, at some point about five Four or five years ago, it got to a, it got to the point where, and this is a true story. I went to a closing, uh, checked in with the front desk, said, "Hi, I'm here for the closing." I got there, sat down, started looking at my phone. Somebody walked in, checked in. They got their their uh, license, uh, you know, because our closings are wet settlements, so they all happen at the same time. They're not escrow. Um, and the client went and sat next to me. And when the agent came in uh, with the wife, who of course I know the agent. Uh, I found out that the guy sitting across from me was actually my client, is the husband. Um, yeah, and and I'll tell you that was a big big learning. That oh my god, I felt so bad, you know, and so I immediately put things into place so that I would recognize them and and know who they are. And so now we have a picture of everybody on you know in our database so that I can just constantly see who they are and ingrain that in me. But more importantly you know, is having a process like that that's ironclad, it's a, you know, a conveyor belt, um, you know, to get a product out. We obviously know that. But uh, I actually started implementing, this was four or five years ago, a a task for me right in the middle of the process that it it literally comes to my desk and it says, Jen, call borrower and say, in quotes, hi. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because, Because there was no need. And while that's fine, I don't want them to feel that they are a number. I want them to, to have a unique customer yeah. experience inside of a very ironclad process. I you think know. that's it. That's yeah. 
That's what I'm talking about. Of course you already have it in your system. Ah, I love you. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. I want to talk about, because I go, imagine what everybody's thinking here is, well, how many people do you have to be in touch with to get $155 million worth of business or 255 loans? And I know, that, I know that you're going to tell me you're not casting a big net, but can you share with us, where are the sources of, of the business coming from? How many real estate agents do you have relationships with, for example, or others? Kind of sure. I have a long list of realtor relationships, but my critical realtors number very small. Mm -hmm. And it's probably something like 25 to 30. And those are ones that are regularly giving me business. But, mm -hmm. but I get business off and on from a group that's maybe another 25 who may not do a lot of business, but will, will give me business that they, you know, occasionally. Yeah, I also have, um, sure, I have, I'm going to say three to five financial advisors who um, send, send me business, but also who um, periodically will, um, will, will just call me for advice. Mm -hmm. And they'll yeah. put a client on the phone right there. And that may or may not turn into referral business. It just right. depends. Um, and then there are some attorneys still. I have, I've been less involved with attorneys, um, you know, I'd say in the last few years. It's just I haven't really pursued it as much. But, you know, we'll, I will occasionally get um, a referral from an attorney who's doing uh, mainly divorces um, and, you know, property needs to be sold or refinanced or whatever, and there'll be a little piece of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really, it's always key is realtors. And then, of course, you know, and I should have said this first, referrals right. You're um, right. from past clients. Mm -hmm. Your database. So, so the same, right, it's the Sure. Which, on which one? It's okay. Go ahead and finish your thought, and I'll ask the question again. It's okay. Um, so with referrals, people who've done loans with me, especially recent purchases, I think during the maybe the two, three months after someone buys a home is the most common time when people are going to um, be talking about their loan. Mm -hmm. So I do try to do a follow-up call after someone buys a house. I do a follow-up call a month later. How's it going? And another month later, and then they get on a drip system, mm -hmm. um, which Guaranteed Rate helps me with. They, they manage it. And then there's, you know, social media so that I'm still, you know, top of mind for people. Um, and so that's, you know, that's how I work with my past clients primarily. Mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, I know that you're, uh, so that those that are listening, uh, you're also a CMPS, a Certified Mortgage Planning Specialist. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, we do as CMPSs is, is annual reviews. So are you finding that you're doing annual reviews or have you found that you've gotten to the point where, uh, I mean, because if you think about it, you're doing 255 loans, that's one phone call a day to a past client who's having an anniversary, right? And that's just last year. <laughs> right. So I'm going to tell you right now, even as we speak, um, I had fallen off on doing that. So I've got a business development specialist now who's going to be calling and scheduling those annual reboot calls for me. And we're going to awesome. do blocks. Um, and I'm going to be actually, you know, blocking out time in my calendar in the next month to do annual review calls because I recognized that I'd fallen off from doing mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. especially since making my move from, you know, my old lender, my old bank to the new one. Right. Um, we're going to start with some calls to people who had done transactions uh, the year I left, you know, the year, my last year at the old employer. 
Um, so I think annual review calls are really important. I think I've not done my job there, and I've actually been taking steps to fix that because it's, it's something, you know, we, we ought to all be doing. Right. Absolutely. And it's fun, by the way. It you know, every time I have, with everybody. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they don't always right. answer and they don't always call us back. But, you know, for those that do, it's, uh, it's, it's a warm conversation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, think it's, I think it's critical. I love doing them. Let me go back to your 25 to 30 regular um, real estate mm-hmm. agents. Um, and you had mentioned before, you know, it, it's important to work with people that you, um, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, that you know, like, and trust. It doesn't have to be the top producer. It can be the midline producer. Um, mm-hmm. These 25 to 30, are they all top producers? Are they all mid? Are they a little combination? Um, that's They're a combination. Combination. And then yeah. what, what is it that you do on a regular basis with them? Other than, you know, do you call them once a week? Do you call them once a month? Are they on, do you, do you track? Hey, I called Susie, you know, A, B, C, D all the way back up and then around. Um, are you the person leaning into that relationship or is it a two-way street? Or let me back up. When they first started like that, and now I imagine they're at the point where you're uh, communicating on a regular basis because you're doing business, but how did you get it to that point? It, it, it built organically. Um, I'm involved not just with my women's night in, that's one, and that's also how I keep up with my realtors. Many of them are women. Mm-hmm. For, the chef, for the head chef when I invited three of the male realtors and I told them they were special guests <laughs> to be allowed. Um, but I have events. I have, the, you know, I have occasional lunch and learns. I had a wine, uh, a wine uh, networking, wine and appetizer networking event uh, last Thursday night here at the office. About 10 people came. Um, I'm having another event in uh, two weeks at a kind of a trendy little restaurant, um, and I'm inviting the realtors in the hub around that restaurant. So I'm constantly doing events. My key realtors are always invited, and then I'm always including outreach to other people that I don't work with so I can try to get a blend. Um, so the social element is definitely there, and I'm a, a big endorser of it. Um, I do have a drip campaign, and uh, we have something called Gateless, which is a, a, a website for real estate agents, and all of my key realtors are signed up for it. So they're automatically sent email announcements, uh, new things that are released that we offer, um, other, you know, you know, we'll just say drip, drip email, and then um, through social media, uh, you know, I, I use that, and, and realtors, you know, get, you know, if they're, they're using Twitter, they'll see my Twitter feed and, and so mm-hmm. on. So it's a lot of different things. Right. Um, I, may not, I may not host a broker's open, but I go out on tour. Mm-hmm. And I obviously, I, when it, maybe it's not obvious, I apologize for using that word, but I, when I go out on tour, I pick, you know, three to four places to go, not where I don't know anybody, but where it's somebody I know. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm just I noticed you have a listing. This is wonderful. Congratulations. How's it going for you? Um, and then while I'm standing there, people I don't know might show up. So um, I, I'm doing those various things. Very That's much great. trying to be out in the community yeah, uh, yeah. to generate business. Are you doing anything with listing agents at all? Uh, with my realtors, when they're, you know, when they're getting listings, I'm reaching out. Do you need flyers? Can I be a resource to you? Okay. Um, that kind of thing. So, yes. mm-hmm. okay. And I have a, a, a list of... Um, all the realtor, whenever I do a transaction, I have both the buyer's agent and the listing agent on my spreadsheet. I reach out to both during the transaction and after the transaction, and I invite both on to gate list 
Um, I just got a referral from someone who was the listing agent on a transaction, and she reached out and said she wanted to start working with me. Um, so that's been very effective. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about your community involvement because we, we did talk about, we wanted to talk about this because this, you, you talked about um, your uh, women, Women's Night In. But let's talk about all the community involvement that you do. These, these things, that, these items that you just told us about are the things that you're, um, you're holding uh, to draw them in. But what about the things that you're reaching out to in the community? I know that you have, um, you have a lot of, uh, how do I say, you, you have very strong feelings about this and you feel that this is really one of the main reasons why um, you're so successful. Um, you know, thank you for the nice introduction to this topic, but I would, and not about, but I, I well, but I would say, um, I'd like to bring up three things. The first is uh, involvement with the real estate community through the local association. I got involved with the Oakland Berkeley Association of Realtors, which is a real activist organization, when I opened my office in Berkeley last year, and. Um, I was immediately put on the Community Funds Committee, which is a foundation that raises and then gives away $150,000 a year. Two nights ago, we had the event where we gave the $150,000 away. The next day, the Berkeley Times had a news article about it where they posted the list of all the recipients, and I, had, and I published an ad which congratulated the recipients and mentioned that I was on the committee. Ooh, so that's I'm the key thing right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm spending time with realtors. Mm-hmm. I'm serving my community. I'm influencing a decision about money. And I'm asking, I'm, I'm seeking recognition in a positive and warm way for that work. We can go out and, you know, join the, uh, you know, the local bird watchers group and hope that somebody watching birds is going to buy a house. But that may not give us results, and then we can walk away going, well, then I should never be in any committee. But the truth is, we have to, again, be laser-focused. This work that I did on OBAR really meant a lot to me. I got a chance to do some things for them. Um, When I hosted my open house for my new office, I made it a fundraiser for the Community Funds Committee, and everyone who came gave money. And so more people came, and the members of the committee came. My attendance was 70 people for my little open house. And we raised $2,000 in a three-hour period. It was fabulous. And it wasn't just, here's my office, come and see. It was, I'm in the community now, and I want to give back. Please come and celebrate that I'm in the community. And we're going to do this thing for community funds. And it was great. It was really, really a big success. Um, and so I would say to anyone, you know, thinking about what kind of things they should be involved in, it's business if it's business. So don't be afraid to link the two. And there's another thing I do, which is Berkeley Symphony. I don't have a background in music, but four years ago I was invited to the Berkeley Symphony Gala um, just as a guest of someone else and sat at a table and had a really great time. And I looked around the room and I recognized that there were about five different real estate brokerages at that gala, and that all of them had members who were involved in Berkeley Symphony. Wow. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this is interesting. 
I could learn about music, gain some cultural, you know, background that I don't otherwise have, and network. And so I got on the advisory council for Berkeley Symphony. And because I'm on the advisory council, I've been invited to the salons and the special events and the previews. And I've made some really fine connections of real estate agents. But I've also made connections with one of the premier general contractors in the area who sent me business and with, um, with a premier local appraisal panel, who, appraiser who got on my panel. And when I use their name and say they're part of my local panel, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. They don't work for any other mortgage bank. So it's not just about getting business, getting loans, but about building relationships that lead to business and that gain credibility for us. And then the final one um, involvement that I have is uh, kind of a strange one, but it's already given me two loans and it's I know gonna be huge for me. Um, Legislation was passed last fall to make it easier for residents of California and particularly it's very interesting to Oakland and Berkeley and local legislation was also passed to enable the building of accessory dwelling units, um, backyard mm-hmm. cottages, yep. in-law mm-hmm. suites, uh, granny flats. Mm-hmm. And to combat the housing issues here, uh, city councils everywhere are trying to make it easier for this to happen. I found my way onto the task force working for one of the city council members who's spearheading this. And then I became the chair of the finance committee for that task force. Um, in that role, I was on a panel discussion for an affordability council two weeks ago. Fifty people were there. Um, I've been put in touch with architects, planners, builders of accessory dwelling units so that they can send um, clients looking for financing to me. Uh, we have a full round of renovation financing, so I can offer that, but also People can finance, you know, ADUs, in-law units, with uh, cash-out refis, um, second mortgages. And, um, and the work itself has been just so interesting and fun. And our task force, you know, University of California is obviously the heart of Berkeley. Um, we were invited to speak to the chancellor of the university and I'm part of that four-member group going to speak to the chancellor and gain access to the faculty and staff. I got put on this committee, invited to go. And so talk about a great opportunity, both for credibility and potential networking, and also, of course, for referrals. That's my community involvement. Guaranteed Rate is a bank that offers all types of mortgages, including renovation financing. So I'm able through this task force to present the, the full array of right. ways to finance an accessory dwelling unit. Um, and now I have the audience to hear me, which yeah. is tremendous for business generation. Good. So how does that convert into business generation? I have to, I'm, I'm, the reason I keep honing in on this is I know that my listeners are going to be asking themselves the same question is, you're on the committees, you're on this, but are, you're not, you're talking about relationships, but how does that translate? How do you continually help them understand who you are and what you do so that you're getting business? Are you asking for business or is it just coming because of the relationship over time? 
I'm asking. And this is the step I had to learn over time. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to put on an event or to go to a thing, but don't be afraid to ask. Uh, The people who are in that committee include architects and whatever. I, I call them up. How is it going for you? Have your clients had questions about financing? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on the committee with you. I want to let you know I'd be very happy to speak with them and help them understand some of the options they may have. Financing is easier than you think. Mm-hmm. One of the things I discovered is that, you know, I can sit there and I can be a mortgage broker and I can even be the chairperson of the finance committee, but the connection between the person and me is a connection I have to very explicitly make yeah. and be willing to assert myself to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it is a waste of time. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people are involved in all of these, these activities and saying, you know, I, I tried that, I did that, it didn't work, I'm not going to do that anymore. And, you know, really just chasing this, it's not even really the shiny object syndrome, it's the bumblebee syndrome, you know, just going from this thing and that thing and another thing, just trying to find pollen but not really asking for the business, um, not at a networking event specifically, but, you know, the deeper involvement in these committees that you're spending time with them. Networking events give you names and business cards. Bingo. Right. How you use them Mm -hmm. is what, yeah, exactly. Go to the events. We have to be out there. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. people forget who we are. Right. But that's not how the business is generated. Yeah. You know, getting back, I mean, kind of coming full circle here, we started with, um, you know, what does your law degree have to do with mortgage lending, which I've wondered myself at times. <laughs> but we want to be, you know, we want to be people who um, connect the dots. And that means sit back, look at our business plan. Where do we want our business to come from? What are the ways we'll generate that? and make that happen. If we wanted to come from realtors, what are some meaningful ways we can be in a realtor's world? Ways that mean something for us as well as for them. And then do we have, and be honest with ourselves, do we have the, the courage, the self-confidence, the willingness to draw, to draw that link when the, the business card presents itself? Um, and, you know, I, I know that if I go to certain kinds of events uh, that aren't true to myself, I'm just going to be an outcast. I'm not going to fit in, and I'm going to show that. It'll be reflected. But if I do something that means something to me, I'm going to get people who mean something to me, and then we'll have our, our launching point for building a relationship. Yeah. And, you know, following up from that, finding our niche, finding our place, being willing to use our voice is understanding that these things take time. It's a gradual process, and, um, and we've got to be patient and tenacious mm-hmm. with that process. Yeah. And we have to take the action today to get that started, because if you're not taking that action today, you're moving, you're taking, you ever, you ever run, um, I was using this analogy the other day, you know, in my area, just like yours, the traffic is horrible. If you leave 10 minutes later, it can be a 45-minute difference in drive. Yep. Leaving 10 minutes early can mean that you can get there on time. Very, very yep. weird thing how 10 minutes can be a 45-minute change, change. 
So it's a great analogy. Our business. It's the same thing with our business. If we don't, if we don't um, do this now in this 10 minutes that we have, you know, relatively speaking, if we don't do these activities now, then then our success is further out there. And especially now that everything's moving at the speed of digital, the digital world. So the key is to take action on these things now, even though they may take some time. If you don't now, it's going to take maybe two, maybe three times as long. Yeah. Because if you're not there, I swear your competition is. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what would you like to leave with us now that we're winding down? And I, and I do think, Diane, we're probably going to have to have another call, too, because I, I would love to have you talk about your team and how you set up your team. Oh, sure. That's really important, too. So how... What would you like to leave us with if you're listening, you know, you're a loan officer and you're listening and maybe you're struggling, you feel like you're a commodity, it's too competitive, maybe my company, you know, doesn't have the right rates, I don't know what to say, my scripts are bad. I mean, just struggling and saying, well, what, what is it that I can do to be, to start turning this into success? What, what is, you know, one, one or two quick pieces of advice that you'd like to give? Um, well, first, I mean, you just named out like every objection that I think any of us has ever had, right? I mean, we do. Yeah, we've all and, been there. You know, so my, my, yeah, my first, I'm just going to be real here. I'm just going to, you know, just say, if you're having one of those days, take the day off. Um, but then the next day when you get up, you know, and, and I have those days. I have, a day, I have a day where I'll think all those things in one, you know, in one 15-minute moment. Right. Um, but, but. Being in this industry, we've accepted, um, a, we've made decisions, and we make it every day to be in an industry that is inherently difficult and stressful, mm-hmm. in a field, sales, that is inherently rich with rejection. Mm-hmm. The sooner we accept that, then we can move on to, okay, within that world, how can I make it a, a really valuable and rich life? Um, pick the things that make us resonate, that make us smile and run our business from there. And if it's, um, you know, if it's working with veterans, then it's doing VA loans and then just become the best you can be. If it's uh, being a single woman working with others like that, then start there. The business itself will grow and one, one starting point will lead to others and it will, it will, it will be this blooming flower that becomes a garden. Start with one or two points of, of interest, of passion, and then the business plan that you develop, if developed around a really solid core, will unfold in a very gracious way. And that will give us a sense of value in our industry and to those we connect with. Incredible, incredible. Thank you so much, that, that is so deep. I want, I want to make it an affirmation every day. I'm going to listen to this, and I'm going, to, I'm going to turn it into a piece of paper and make it part of my affirmations in my morning, my morning routine. Absolutely incredible. You're too Thank kind. you. Well, it's true. You're, you're, it's you're my true. inspiration, Jen. So oh, I don't know how. Totally. Thank you. Yeah, I, <laughs> Thank you. yeah uh, to but, those on the call, every time you have a conversation with Jen, you walk away from it going, oh, my gosh, I should have, <laughs> I should have known that. Why didn't I do that? It's great. 
so fun. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Diane, so much. It means it just means the world to me. Uh, we're going to get ourselves rescheduled for an, another time. So if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, be on the lookout for another one from Diane as quickly as we can get this thing put together. Hopefully it won't be another year. And I want to thank you all for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery and ask you to please go to iTunes and write a review. It keeps our podcast up on, on the top of all of that. And uh, a reminder again, my book will be released on July 1st. Look for it. It's called Launch, Stop Talking, Take Action. We'll see you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.